Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Tech News Today is provided by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This is Tech News Today for Wednesday, March 16th, 2011. Tech News Today is brought to you by GoToAssist Express. If you're in tech support, solve problems fast with the leader in remote support software. Go to Assist Express for a free 30-day trial. Visit gotoassist.com slash TNT. And by Slingbox, which can turn your iPad into a television with the new iPad app from Slingbox. You can watch your home TV on your iPad anywhere you go. Check it out at slingbox.com. Welcome to Tech News Today. I'm Tom Merritt. I'm Sarah Lane. I'm Jason Howell. Joining us today, Mr. Scott Johnson from the Frog Pants Network. Hey, good to see everybody again. How's it going? It's good. It's been a while. We missed forecast this week. Yeah, we did. You guys were busy doing the South By, and I uh, you know, had to patiently wait for you to all return home, but you're all back safe and sound. Looks like no better for the worse, or however that phrase goes. It's good to see everyone. I'm excited to, excited to be here again. Twitter is over capacity. <laughs> Breaking news. Bad request errors, left and right. Yeah, they're... How will we know? Experiencing elevated errors at this time, mm. says their status. Mm. <sighs> All right. Okay. So there's our top story. Thanks, elevated everybody. Elevated whale rates. <laughs> With Twitter down, we don't know what's going on in the world. Uh, no, Netflix is actually going on in the world. They are, according to Deadline.com, close to a deal that uh, would have them spending around $100 million to acquire... A new drama series, not one that's already produced, but one that is yet to be produced, called House of Cards, starring Kevin Spacey, uh, and it's based on a, a novel. It's been done as a miniseries before. Kevin Fincher would be uh, behind it. So this is this is a big deal. This is the kind of thing you'd see on HBO or Showtime, uh, and it looks like Netflix may get it. Um, this so is this, really, it's, go ahead. I, I was gonna, I was going to compare it to what they do now with with uh, with stars. Like they have that they get like first run uh, uh, for what's that show Spartacus, and they also get that uh, Party Down show that Stars uh, makes. This is different than that, though, right? This isn't a deal with another network. In yeah. essence, they become the network for right. the show. This isn't oh, it ran on Stars, and we get to run it first on Netflix online. No, no, no. This is, you will see this series, and they, they would be for a two years, according to the the Deadline report. You would see this series first on Netflix and only on Netflix. You'd have to subscribe to Netflix to watch it. Which is, I mean, not only is that cool if you're already a Netflix user, so you just you all of a sudden have original content to choose from, but the way that uh, it goes now with uh, you know one of your favorite shows, often you have to wait... So the season is well over. You know, if you want to watch Dexter via Netflix, the season's got to be out for a while. The DVDs have to be out. You're certainly not going to be at the forefront of any um, uh, weekly Sunday show. So this would be awesome. I mean, you don't have to wait. Uh, there is no waiting period. Yeah, the, yeah. this would <laughs> that was be eloquently. This would be Netflix put into <laughs> to, uh, direct competition with HBO and Showtime and Stars. Even uh, this is this is the kind of thing that. That actually turns them from being a cable company uh, in analog on the internet into being a network on the internet. So it muddies the waters even more. Well, some you you would look at this and say, well, why are they just trying one thing? Why are they just dipping their toe in the in the water this lightly? And a hundred million dollars isn't lightly. I don't want to make light of that much money. But uh, if this works for them, if it's a success, and I don't know what 
will constitute that? Like what you've already got a kind of a, a base of subscribers. Is this to drive new subscribers to get Netflix that aren't already there? Or is this just to build, I don't know, more interest and loyalty and keep the ones they have? And if that's a success, do they then invest in other shows? Do we suddenly see an original comedy series? Do we see other movies? Um, I think this is all really good for them. And they certainly have the money to test this. And if the test doesn't work, it doesn't really matter too much. Their dominance is pretty clear and they'll, they'll be fine. But uh, I'm anxious to see how it turns out. Netflix also has to distinguish itself from Amazon, for example. Amazon is now um, uh, has begun to offer an instant video service that's obviously going to be a competitor to Netflix. And Amazon Prime users already get this as part of a uh, $80 per year uh, fee, which is... Uh, less money than the equivalent Netflix annual fee. So Netflix, all of a sudden, if it's it's like, yeah, Amazon Prime is, or the Amazon uh, instant streaming service is behind. They don't have as much of an offering as Netflix does right now as far as titles go, but they'll get there. But if Netflix can say, well, we've got this, you can stream us on a variety of your uh, cable alternative boxes, and we have original content you can't get anywhere else, and you like that show, if House of Cards turns into the next Mad Men or something, this is a great get for Netflix. And it also is another chip in their dealings with with people like stars to say, mm-hmm. hey, we've got House of Cards. It was If it's wildly popular, uh, we'll license it to you to, to run a reruns. Right. If you license us your stuff, mm-hmm. you know, you can make Ooh, your deals that It's a good bargaining way. chip. Google Docs has added comments uh, to their Word situation. They, they, I, I don't want to call it Word because then you'll think Microsoft Word, but it's a word processor. Uh, Google Docs word processor now allows you to make comments within the document so that uh, you can you can easily collaborate and make comments without having to send emails, without having to use the kind of chat thing that was on the right. Uh, it just it will e- email the comments. To people, so so the idea is to to be able to look at a document somebody's wrote and and mark it up mm-hmm. and make those kind of comments and have them easily ex- accessed by everyone collaborating on the document. What's nice too is that let's say you know we write up some sort of a strategy document for Tech News Today, and I've got a com- uh, a comment that says you know Tom I really like your idea here but um I it raises a red flag for me. Then you could reply to my comment. Let's say that you have squashed my fears there, there's there's an answer that i asked and you had it we can then pr- basically put this comment thread to rest so yeah there's a resolve button exactly. so literally you can say take, like take all these second. comments out we figured it out mm-hmm. yeah and when a lot of people i, I you know we, we don't actually do that sort of thing on tech news Day on a regular basis but for a company uh where a lot of people need to at least give input or be editing one major document that's really helpful because Things will come up and then you don't want to be on some sort of an email thread halfway into the project where you don't really know what people have talked about before. Or if you're using Microsoft Word, you've got four different versions going around with comments that you have to then merge all together mm-hmm. and implement the comments. This this allows you to to have the commentary all in one place. It looks pretty cool. We, we tried it out. Um, it's, you weren't that impressed, I know. Well, so like I said, we don't really use anything like this on a daily basis. So I'm already not really going to use it tomorrow going forward for anything that I can think of. I also don't like email notifications. I have like five email addresses that I use regularly. I turn off, I turn off email notifications on every social network that I ever subscribe to. And email is just not the best way to keep uh, constantly looping me into something. Uh, but that's just a personal preference. And it's a setting. You can say don't. Totally. Don't send yeah, me no, it's not. It's not mandatory to get the emails. I think it just depends on um, what your project is. And it definitely looks better than it did before.
What I would like this to do, um, when we do forecast, Tom, there are times during the show where you and I will just exchange a couple of thoughts or ideas, and we'll do it just in an empty field in the spreadsheet. We're using the spreadsheets. If they would integrate this into the spreadsheets, I could see that process being, and actually I can see how it would be difficult for them to do it and probably why we haven't seen it yet because mm -hmm. you know, the layout's kind of variable. You can zoom in and out. There's tables. It's very different. But if they figure out a way to do that, I could see that being more of an advantage for you and I during a, a case like that where we're just trying to sort of say, mm, I'll throw this to you next or, hey, I've got to read this ad next or, hey, my connection's being weird. Do you take this next thing or whatever? A more of a real time at the time that you're recording kind of thing would be pretty cool. Well, Scott, um, don't, nice what do you that. think is missing from the little chat window that, that Google Docs uh, will currently let you talk to each other in as long as you're both logged into the same spreadsheet now? My, my biggest problem with that is it's not bad. I mean, it, it, it doesn't really give you a, a great notification. It turns orange, mm -hmm. so you kind of know something's going on up uh -huh. there. But if you're not really to pay attention, you don't really go there. Yeah, my you kind of have problem to watch it. it yeah, my biggest problem, though, is it's all out of context. I don't know when this thing was said, what it was said about, at what point in the show was it said. So if Tom said something, you know, five minutes ago, I'm just finding out about it, and I don't know what he means yeah. uh, out of that context. So that that kind of contextual commenting would be pretty cool, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. The biggest thing with the chat in Google Docs right now is it's it's almost hidden. Mm -hmm. it, like you say, it blinks orange, but if you miss that, you, you know, people could be uh, – I don't rely on it to get somebody's attention, Right. Right. I rely on once I know, okay, Sarah's paying attention to that chat room. I could talk to her there. Right. I know that. But I, I wouldn't put something in there th that was important uh, expecting them to see it. That's true. Yeah, that makes sense. This is It's worth mentioning, too, that you don't have to be a Gmail user to be looped in on a document. That's I true. Mean, it, yeah. it, it you can, can just be part of the discussion. You can be That's part of the one discussion of the nice via email, email yeah. but not from actually within Google Docs itself. So it is, it's, it's meant for folks who are collaborating on documents, not just Google Docs users. Uh, Apple is having a, a little stock uh, scare today. Uh, as we do the show right now, it looks like, let me, let me pull this up, Apple stock down 4.46%, down $15 after today's trading uh, because of an analyst named Alex Guana at JMP Securities lowering Apple's rating from market outperform to market perform citing slower sales growth at Foxconn. Now, Foxconn makes a lot of the, uh, a lot of the stuff that Apple sells. Mm -hmm. uh, analyst Yair Rainier with Oppenheimer & Company, though, issued a note saying, wait a minute, Apple's contribution to Foxconn is limited. The correlation between Apple and Foxconn's revenue, therefore, appears to be a product of coincidence more than causality. Yeah, it turns out that Apple's contribution to Foxconn, Foxconn makes about almost $100 billion in sa uh, made a, almost $100 billion in sales in 2010. Um, but Apple accounted for just about 21% of that total. So, I mean, we're not even talking about half here. If something's going on with Foxconn and Apple only accounts for about 20%, just over 20% of their total, uh, sale, uh, and revenue, how much, you know, do the stories really correlate? Yeah, that's interesting. Cause if Apple's only, you know, they're really only talking about 21% of their output, it must be, that must be a significant percentage, I have to think, because, so is everything else broken up into tiny percentages and 20% is the largest grouping? That would almost have to be, because if it isn't, this seems really unfair to say, all right, well, your third-party supply chain is going to determine where your stock is. I suppose if they have huge shortages and other problems, you know, a factory explodes or something crazy weird happens, right. I guess that has some impact on on production and supply chain, but... It seems a little harsh to strap Apple with this, considering the fact that they're just coming off what would, you know, people would argue an extremely successful iPad 2 launch, selling what, 500,000 in the first 
uh, day versus what 400 the year or the yeah the year before and and doing well overall i'm no apple apologist generally but this seems like an unfair thing to straddle them with that said i mean the fact that the ipad 2 is so popular and did sell out so many places if they're having an issue over at foxconn getting units out in general and now there's going to be a shortage in the u.s for the next six months for the ipad 2 then yes that's going to negatively affect apple's bottom line as well that's not what he said that's what, that's what it's, what's interesting. He just said, well, Foxconn sales are slowing. And last year, Foxconn sales went up and Apple sales went up. Therefore, Foxconn sales are slowing. Apple sales must go down. Mm-hmm. It's like, because what you just said made sense. You should be an analyst. <laughs> okay. Well, he said, Poof, I'm an analyst. Yeah, pretty much. I think that's how it happens, actually. <laughs> All right, let's take a, a quick break and thank GoToAssist Express. If you're in tech support, you need to try GoToAssist Express. Uh, your clients rely on you for fast and reliable support, and that's what GoToAssist Express helps you deliver. They were recently named the Worldwide Market Leader in remote support by Frost and Sullivan, the industry analyst group, uh, which focuses on this particular sector. It's easy to use. It's affordable. It's secure end-to-end. You're looking at their screen. You're walking them through it. You're fixing the things for them. Uh, you can send them instant email uh, invitations. works on PCs and Macs. You diagnose the problem as you access their desktop remotely. Ask them the questions you need to ask them. Uh, find out what software is running. Uh, and then you fix the problem. You access the files on their computer. Or you can even transfer files from your computer if you need to. you got one of those DLLs that needs to be fixed. You can just drag it on over there. Uh, you'll solve more tech support questions more quickly and help clients even when they're far away from their computer. Go to Assist. Brought to you by Citrix. And all data exchanged during your sessions is completely secure with end-to-end 128-bit encryption. Can't uh, stress that enough. That's when you're talking remote. You're, you're like, well, wait a minute. I want to make sure this is secure. They are absolutely secure. Free customer service available 24-7. Try them out today for 30 days absolutely free. Visit gotoassist.com slash TNT. On to privacy. we got a lot of privacy stories today. Start with a privacy violation. Etsy. Uh, you ever buy anything on Etsy, Sarah? Um, I have never actually gone ahead and bought anything that was, you know, from a vendor that was actually shipped to me. But I've lurked along Etsy quite a bit. It's a, it's a, it's a crafty thing. Yeah, right? if you, if you, if you're a good knitter, for example, this which is just, I'm not, just, which and but neither Scott am I. Is. But there are a lot of knitters on Etsy. <laughs> you know, a lot of uh, you know people who make stuff. And they have, you've got they all have these a scarves. fair amount of that kind of stuff. They also have a lot of paintings. They have a lot of artwork, yeah. a lot of pot- yeah, pottery, that kind of stuff. My wife loves Etsy, but I'm not really a... So it's really the sort of thing it's, where you've got stuff that you think that you can sell to folks, you know, it's make very, some money. It's very crafty. When she, there's it provides a, craft a store of community. Sorts. People yes. who like that sort of DIY crafty stuff, mm-hmm. they like to talk to each other. So et- Etsy started something called the People Search Tool last week. Uh, if you entered a full name uh, into the search tool, it would bring up your profile. Uh, and which was now public. So so lots of people could find you, which maybe makes sense for sellers, but it also had buyers in there as well. Uh, not lenders, just buyers. And it could allow you to see past purchases because of the way the feedback system worked, and this is where it got into trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I could look up Scott Johnson, and then on his profile, it would have all the feedback that was ever given, given on Scott, and each piece of feedback was associated with something he bought. Right. So I could say... Geez, Scott, why did you buy a, a hot pink knitted halter top? <laughs> you know, well, and Scott's like, indeed? you know what? Thanks for ruining my wife's anniversary present. Right. You know, uh, because now you saw it. Or, or, or it could be something more nefarious. People freaked out. Yeah, yeah. people were really upset about it. And I mean, I, I have to assume that 
Etsy, to me, when I think about Etsy as a community, it's like there's definitely an Etsy community. It's not that it can't be a social network, but this is a weird way to try to bring more people into it. If I'm doing a search and your profile or something associated with your profile comes up on the first page of my Google results and I click in and now I'm seeing sort of your buying history on Etsy, I'm not sure how I, as a as as a not regular user of Etsy, is going to be any more part of that community. They're just getting more page hits, really. Yeah. I think it comes down to this stuff boils down to when you are a company that has a lot of logins and you you essentially own a lot of names. Everybody who is in that state wants to get in on this social pie, right. and it doesn't matter who they are. And oftentimes they kind of screw up. They don't think it through. They forget that. This thing has a back end to it that's going to expose people that won't want to be and it's going to cause a big stink and they don't think of those things. They just know we have a ton of names and we should be able to take a piece of this pie too and they just dive in. And to me, it's not unlike what Apple did with Ping initially. Um, It's not unlike what a lot of companies do when they have a lot of names already and they try to venture into another space Mm -hmm. um, and they they kind of screw up. Google's did it with Buzz a little bit. You know, it's just kind of the thing to do is to make that huge mistake when you realize, holy crap, we have millions of names. We should do something social with this. And then they always have to step back a little. I think they're just in the same boat. Uh, Companies have these privacy issues all the time where they make a change. They don't do a very good job of alerting folks. Etsy said, hey, everybody who's got a profile was alerted to these changes. Many Etsy folks said, well, no, actually we weren't. And we're not lying about that. You didn't tell us. There's also... Having your real name associated with your profile that's now public is an opt-out situation. So you have to opt out of saying – you have to opt out of being uh, available to be searched for on a public page. And that's – you know, also, that's that's a tough one. Companies do this, yes, but, I mean, just look at Facebook. All that opt-out stuff always upsets people, and you kind of feel like Etsy should have thought this through a little bit more. Always make it opt-in. If you want to avoid problems, make it opt-in. Make it opt-in and just do a good job of letting people know that they have options. As of today, by the way, the reason this is in the news, as of today, buyer and seller feedback no longer link directly to purchased items. So you can still see the feedback that says, hey, you were awesome, or why didn't you ever pay me, but won't tell you about the hot pink halter top Scott bought. Yeah. <laughs> On to the White House, where I imagine uh, you don't see a whole lot of white or uh, hot pink uh, halter tops. Well, it depends on what room you're in, I suppose. <laughs> you know, and who's president? Makes a big difference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's talk about Lawrence E. Strickling, though, uh, Assistant Secretary of Commerce, who is expected to call for a privacy bill of rights. Uh, not a lot of details about what would go into this. It's based on a Commerce uh, Department report. Uh, but essentially, they're saying, let's start building one. Let's start building a, a, a privacy bill of rights. One of the things that they would ask for is something the FTC has already asked for, which is a way to opt out of being tracked online. Uh, we've talked in the past about all the different browsers having different ways of doing it. But a, a, a similar story to this today, Microsoft has added a do not track user preference, very similar to what Mozilla calls the do not track HTTP header. It works as a header that is sent to the website. Uh, so now in Internet Explorer 9 that shipped earlier this week, you can use the do not track user preference. And this is just something that you you know you go up into your preferences and you say, yes, engage do not track. Right. Now go the problem that the problem with, that we had with Firefox doing this is that there were no advertisers actually on board right. to follow it uh, and it's not a standard 
Firefox, Mozilla has submitted it as a standard, but apparently now Microsoft has also submitted it as a standard to the W3C. So you got two big browsers doing it. Uh, if all we need is get some advertisers on board. Well, it turns out, and this is what, what is kind of confusing to me, and maybe you you guys can shed a little light on why a group of about 30 online advertising companies is, uh, is kind of like breaking with the industry standard and supporting a proposal for a single do not track tool that would be it would be a standard that everyone would use um everyone would allow and i um the group is i mean th- these companies aren't familiar to me exponential interactive burst media odd science incorporated and so on so it's a small group as far as advertisers go 30 not a big number of folks but they're vocal and they're saying this is a good idea why would they want to advocate this oh you mean why would they be behind it because yeah. it makes them look good they, they're like this yeah just some, we're like, responsible trackers uh-huh. we we want to actually you know track people when they want to be tracked and we want to make it easy we don't want to have 16 different systems out there that we have to participate because that's costly so it's it's a company that's like we want to play by the rules mm-hmm. we want to make it re- you know make it easy for people to not be tracked if they don't want to but we want it to be cheap what I, what I would like to see happen is see the industry, private citizens, and groups like that fight that out and figure it out, and that, that end up being the thing. Whatever that thing is, that'd be the thing that we use. Uh, what I don't want is this administration or any other administration trying to come up with enforceable uh, privacy laws uh, specifically that, 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 you know, that are handed down as federal law. I don't want to see that happen because I just feel like that will stunt innovation in that area specifically and we'll get better results from super smart people in open source projects that are behind things like mozilla people like google wherever it comes from i would rather see it come from that sector than i would government i agree with you i would also rather see (laughs) uh my nissan leaf get all the way home before it runs out of electricity and that that was true of two other people uh in fact a guy one one person on my nissan leafs discussion forum who goes by kalangst posted dumb star star s alert am i the first to drain it uh and it looks like it must have been posted from his from his phone or something he's like yes i am out of power had links to a y frog picture went from 17 to to turtle to dead in about five miles uh 2.3 miles from the dealer 4.2 miles from home uh he goes on in the thread later to talk about how he coasted out of the intersection on no power in the parking lot couldn't plug in because he's nowhere near somewhere to plug in uh there was another incident similar to this where somebody ran out of juice before they got home and there was no way to fill back up you can't you know you can't go down to the corner gas station and bring back a, a gallon of you electricity can't call AAA and tell them <laughs> to just bring some electricity just enough to get you to the nearest station actually AAA ought to have that at some point it's like a, a generator you know yeah no it's a crank they they bring the crank and they say all right go for it yeah <laughs> wind here's it a, up here's a treadmill start running <laughs> yeah. uh, that's interesting though all these green vehicles and this movement toward toward cleaner vehicles and stuff nobody's really thought about the ramifications on things like I've run out of gas in the middle of the desert what does AAA do what does is my Chevron card that I pay for? Do they come out and give me anything? Actually, actually they- Scott, Nissan has thought about that. And and one, one thing they're doing is they're like, if you have a problem, call us. In these cases, they sent out engineers oh, to, wow. to the site to figure out what happened. They say it's a combination of uh, some user error, but also some technical faults. Uh, and, and it looks like the battery power just drained faster than the dashboard reporting system had anticipated. Um, and there are, I guess, a lot of reasons for that, depending on how you drive. You know, it's it's kind of like gas. You know, you can use, you can get less mileage to the gallon if you've kind of got a lead foot and you're always braking and this and that. 
I guess the same would be true for an electric battery. But the fact that the on, you know, the in dash system is saying you've got 10 miles left and you don't. I know Tom and I, we drive very differently. I get down to exactly like I have two miles left on empty. I know I can get like 400 miles to the gallon or 400 miles before I have to fill up my car again. You don't work that way because you only go halfway down. I don't let the tank go more than halfway. So you're more of a cautious person in general. And I don't ever run out of gas. But I also do this because I am really confident that my car is telling me the truth. I know exactly how far I have to get down before I need to refill or I will get stuck somewhere. Do I I have permission to laugh at you next time you run out of gas? (laughs) I've never run out of gas. Ever. Never. Knock. This is for Micah. But whatever. Whatever. You get the idea. Works good enough. But you know what I mean? If your car's... You you need that to be accurate. So if it's some sort of computer glitch and it's got to get smarter, then they they should really do that before you drive it off the lot. The estimates get more accurate as you drive because it learns your driving behavior. Uh, but you know, it, you should, you probably shouldn't let this thing get down to a ten mile range, uh, or maybe you, know. you make but a I mean, ten mile. Think, range that's instead of thinking, the, 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 the expectation should not be this is an exact measurement. Uh, I, I think is what we've learned. Out and of this. they should say that they should not say you've maybe got ten do. miles left. They should say you're in danger zone, and you may not get well, home. They would give you. I mean. What they should say is this number is not an a hundred percent accurate estimate. We think you have ten miles, but really you should get home right now. Yeah. Should be in blinking objects red. in the mirror farther than exactly. They yes, it should start playing Danger Zone over the radio when you get that low. That's also, uh, you should uh, people should know that the U.S. Department <laughs> of Energy, faster. U.S. Department of Energy National Renewable Energy Laboratory list of charging stations might be handy to print out and put in uh, your car, and they've just uh, rolled that map into Google Maps. So you can actually look up and find oh, cool. the nearest EV charging station as well. See, I'd love to. I'd love to get one of these, but I I just don't know how it would work. And you know, I I live in an apartment building with a common garage for about twenty cars, and there aren't any outlets. And it just it's got to be convenient, or else it's not going to catch on anyway. So so Sarah, if I had two Leafs in my driveway, yes, would I call them my Leafs or would I call them my leaves? Well, I would assume that uh, Nissan would want you to say Leafs because it's the <laughs> plural leaf, which is the proper noun for the car, not Got it. like maple leaves, which are just I think uh, when, the, when the car runs out of electricity and it's coasting downhill, it's a falling leafs. <laughs> or just a falling leaf. It's just one. Yeah, well, there are two in this and, case. Unless it's Scott's driveway and then yeah. they're falling leaves. Scott's driveway right. goes uphill, though. Oh, so they're, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on. Let's move on to something easier like nuclear, nuclear energy. Yes. Uh, so the, uh, the, uh, situation in Japan just keeps getting worse and worse. In fact, the IAEA chief, uh, came out and said Japan's nuclear situation is very serious. He spoke, uh, he spoke today. Uh, and, and when somebody like that says it, that means a lot more because these guys are all very moderate. So when somebody, you know, dressed in the suit comes out and says, look, I'm the head of the IAEA, this is very serious. You know, stuff just got real. It, yes. it got really bad out there. Um, reactor 4 is the is the real bad one right now. Uh, reactor 4 was shut down for inspection when the earthquake happened. Uh, but the fuel had been loaded into the fuel storage pond uh, where they usually put spent fuel instead of being still in the reactor. Uh, because of that, 
they had a bigger problem with reactor four when the cooling system shut down and the water in the pond started to go out. Then Wednesday, they had a two hour fire in the spent fuel storage pond. And that's when radioactivity was released into the atmosphere. Uh, there has been some radioactivity from uh, emissions of steam that mm-hmm. was very low, but this this was the first very large burst of radioactivity uh, from reactor four. Reactors one through three were all running, and the control rods were inserted. So those are the ones that had explosions, but they actually haven't uh, had as much containment problems. In fact, reactors one and two did not breach containment. Reactor three may have ruptured. But again, that's not where uh, the bulk of uh, of the problem is coming from. It's the shutdown reactors that are actually the issues. And in fact, today they tried dropping water uh, from helicopters on reactors three and four. And that did not work because they were concerned about flying into the radioactive steam that was coming out of these from, from the, uh, the water. I mean, that's one of the main problems with a situation like this is that they've got to evacuate the area that's at risk to humans... And you can't clean up an area where no one's working. I mean, the, the radioactivity levels have gone down in the last day or so to the point where I think they allowed about 50 workers back in to help with the cleanup effort. So that's a very good thing. Right. They're trying. They're planning on spraying some water from ground positions. And as you mentioned, uh, radiation level was at a dose of 400 millisieverts per hour between reactors three and four. The annual dose limit for workers is 50 millisieverts per year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was, it was very high. Uh, the emergency level per unit is 100 millisieverts per year. Uh, but it has gone down now uh, to a dose of 0.6 millisieverts per hour. And that's how they were able to allow these 50 uh, folks to come back and start working on the problem again. Uh, but, you know, this is, this is a very serious problem. They've, they've expanded uh, the evacuation to within 30 kilometers uh, mm-hmm. of the nuclear reactors because of this. Uh, but again, as we talked about yesterday, you know, you need to have an un, a, a, a reasonable understanding of the risks. The risks are now very serious around the reactors uh, mm-hmm. because of what happened with the fire yesterday. Uh, there are health concerns. In fact, CNET has a very good fact on the health concerns for people in Japan. Uh, but there's a lot of worry from people saying, well, what if those steam clouds came across the Pacific to the United States? And could the radiation carry through the atmosphere to us? And I guess there's been a run on people buying iodine because taking iodine, non-radioactive iodine, is one way to prevent your thyroid from absorbing radioactive yeah, it's iodine. Like potassium iodide, yeah, like potassium iodide. Yeah, potassium iodide. We don't need to be concerned yet here in the United States. Io9.com, not iodine, but Io9, has a very good article about how radiation travels uh, and what damage it can do. And again, this is not to say there aren't concerns and there aren't reasons to pay attention and be ready in case something goes bad. Uh, but I think there's, when there, you hear there, you nuclear and radiation, people go, oh my gosh, you know, where this is, it's a huge, serious problem. Everyone needs to panic. It is a serious problem, and we are being informed as such. But it's also important to remember that, I mean, radiation is something that no one can get away from if you're just going to go about your day living right. your life. The high level of, this is from the io9 story, the high level of radiation being given off by the Fukushima plant was a one-time emission, like we talked about. It was, you know, that 400 millisieverts for a short period of time and is unlikely to greatly affect residents of Tokyo, uh, let alone residents of other countries. Uh, obviously you want to avoid radiation as much as possible because you know it has cumulative effects over your life uh, but at this point you know you need to you need to not not start running for the hills and just pay attention there mm-hmm. may be a, you know it's been a one-time emission at this point 
Uh, if there is a there's risk of a meltdown or containment breaches, there could be more emissions in the future. And so, you know, it's it's something to, to keep an eye on for sure. There's, there's a really interesting side note to this real quick. Um, we had a we had a worker at a Canadian plant on our morning show the other day, and he talked about more less about the technical issues and more about uh, what the ra- the political ramifications were and what what sort of public opinion might do to their industry, their ability to expand in Canada, and then even what it meant here. And I did a little research. Turns out there's been a, a, a plant idea, I guess, or an idea for a plant in the uh, Kanab Desert here in Utah that was, you know, getting all kinds of excitement. People were really excited about it. Now everybody's saying, well, at least in Japan, they could pump seawater in there and sort of contain things. What do you do in the middle of a desert if you have this sort of problem? There's no way you could cool it. Uh, and it would, you know, it would mean c- catastrophe for the nation, not just our state. So there is a lot of sort of anti, see what we said, see what we told you about reactors, see what we've been saying about this kind of energy for all these decades. And it feels like it's being turned a little bit in, into a political issue, which is too bad because I, I, I subscribe to Tom's method, which is a rational approach to educating ourselves and learning what all this really means and how does radiation work. And it's, it's too bad to see this, this soon, see it turn into such a, a political issue around here. But in any case, uh, you, you know, check out io9, check out CNET. We'll have links to these in our wiki at twit.tv slash TNT. Uh, and educate yourself on what the real risks are. Not say there aren't risks. You should know what they are. Uh, but you should know what the real risks are and, 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 and go from there. All right, let's take a, a quick break and thank our, our other sponsor for today's show, Slingbox. Uh, with Slingbox, you can watch your home TV on your iPad. I've been doing so much traveling lately. Slingbox is so handy for traveling because... You've got shows that you want to catch up on, and you've got time when you travel where you're like, I'm not doing anything right now. i got an internet connection. I could catch up on that episode of Fringe. You launch the Slingbox on your iPad, and you can watch it in HD I from was, your home DVR. I was stuck at Long Beach Airport a lot longer than I wanted to be because one of my flights was delayed coming back from Austin. That would have been the perfect time. You need I could to get have uh, easily gotten in an hour-long show with you're not, time to spare. You're not limited to certain channels. You don't have to pay anything extra. It's all your home TV. Basically, you hook up a Slingbox to the internet, you hook it up to your home TV, and then you put the app on whatever device device, whether it's a laptop, a BlackBerry, an iPad, uh, that you want to watch it on, and you can watch everything that you would get at home on your device, like your iPad. It's that easy. Slingbox is available at Best Buy and Amazon, and you can learn more at slingbox.com. We thank them for their support. On to the news views. The Tokyo Hacker Space is calling for help, folks. They're planning to build 150 solar-powered LED lanterns and are calling on hackerspace members from around the world to lend a hand soon. Head on over to toy, to, I'm sorry, tokyohackerspace.org to find out more if you're a maker willing to help. Well, thank FireSheet because another website is increasing security. Twitter announced it's added the option for users to force HTTPS connections by default when accessing Twitter.com. So if you want to turn on that for yourself, go to settings, check the box next to always use HTTPS, which is at the bottom of the page. On February 15th, several industries submitted an annual report to the U.S. government alleging that piracy is now in many countries a product of organized crime and that pirated DVDs are worth more than cocaine. Try to snort a DVD, I dare you. A major new report Don't funded by that. Canada and by the <laughs> and by the Ford Foundation and, uh, uh, and buttressed, buttressed by field work around the globe suggests that neither assertion is true. Uh, instead, commercial piracy is under pressure from the same force pressing on legal distribution, free internet file sharing. 
Google has retooled its free iPhone app with a new name, a streamlined look and feel, and an easier way to narrow your search results, helping that app work more like its website. The app was once known as Google Mobile. Now they've changed the name to Google Search, and it features a new swipeable sidebar for narrowing down your search to the things that you want to find. The new interface also gives quick access to other Google apps and services like Gmail. Hot on the heels of taking you to the movies, Facebook now wants to take you out to the ball game. Facebook unveiled an experimental live stream service that's actually going to broadcast several spring trading games. Tom, I know you're into that. For the next two weeks, at least until opening day, there appear to be no plans to actually extend the service into the regular season, although maybe they'll change their minds if they get a lot of interest. Who knows? Mm. LCD flat screens might be in for a price hike. The supply of upstream materials for flat panel production is sufficient for a few months, but may become uncertain after uh, that. Or uncertain after that, as the Japanese government has started implementing power brownout controls, according to the Wang Jui Shao. Am I saying that right? I hope. President of a name I won't read. The whole flat panel supply chain on the rehabilitation process. Oh, I see. Thank you, Shimei Intellects. Uh, the whole flat panel supply chain counts on the rehabilitation process of panels in Japan. And I have a feeling this may have a little bit to do with shortages at Foxconn of panels and stuff like that. So well, we'll Foxconn's in China, goes. though. So there's, there's, these are different issues, too. No, I, I'm, yeah, I'm just yeah, I'm, I'm basically saying maybe maybe they're suffering from that, too. And I'm guessing they're all affected by what's happening in Japan. I don't yeah. think any of Asia is sitting around going, ah, yeah, we got this figured out. I think Piotr- they got things cleaned up. Pyotr Mitrichev, a Russian currently ranked number one in the world by Top Coder, has won the inaugural Facebook Hacker Cup. Oh, Petr. The finalists were asked to solve three algorithmic problem sets, and the only coder to successfully solve all three was Mitrichev. Uh, interesting thing about him, he works for Google in mm. their Moscow R&D center. You know what? You know what, what I would do, Peter? Point Facebook. I would just bid them both up, be like, Come on, Facebook, hire me. Oh, how much are you offering? Okay, Google, you want to keep me? You got to top that. Mm, good times. The Bloom is barely off the Motorola Droid 2 rose, and we're already seeing lots of leaks around the Droid 3. The latest is a picture from Howard Forums, and it shows a keyboard that looks very similar to the Droid 2, except has five rows and sports a half-height half keys for the numeric row. Mm, a lot of people like the five-row keyboard. I don't. I don't get that excited about it myself. Uh, I don't know. I don't. Well, I, I, I'm. I'm all touch screen now. Yeah. So mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff is just touchy like, feely. It's screen. not that I just don't feel like I have a. Uh, I, I, I can have a good enough opinion because I'm not using one every day. Well, do you have an opinion on referees suing people for posting things on Twitter? <laughs> uh, NBA referee Bill Spooner has sued Associated Press writer John Krasinski for defamation after the Minnesota Timberwolves beat writer tweet. Uh, that's John Krasinski. He's the beat writer. Tweeted during a January 24th game that Spooner was calling fouls to make up for bad calls. You know, what's- is that defamation? That's like. You're calling him a referee. This is like, it's, this is being a ref has got to be one of those jobs where you just are going to have to get used to people saying things like this because they're screaming it if they're sitting in the stands anyway. He's just mad because usually, and I'm guilty of this too, you know, if I'm watching a game and I, I am very invested in the game and something goes the way that I didn't want it to go, it's very easy to blame the ref. Sometimes they make bad calls and sometimes you're just like, screw you, ref, you suck. But he said, ref Bill Spooner. And usually people don't know the names of referees. So he got all bent out of shape about it because it was calling him out directly. 
Here's what he said. Here's what Krasinski actually wrote. Ref Bill Spooner told Rambus, who's the, who's the coach, uh, he'd get it back after a bad call. Then he made an even worse call on the Rockets. That's NBA officiating, folks. So he's accusing Spooner of telling the coach, you know, don't worry, I'll, don't worry, I'll make it even, right? right? Which may be a common practice. And I think, I think you're right. I think exactly what he got mad at was, oh, it's still there. It's, yeah. You know, the kill the umpire did not just fade off into the distance. No. And again, it's the referee named Bill Spooner. Who's this is an outrage. <laughs> How do you know it was me? It was that guy. It wasn't me. <laughs> the other ref. The other zebra. Uh, so, but you know, this is, it's interesting because sometimes uh, defamation uh, Twitter suits are won by the the person seeking damages. Courtney Love had to pay somebody $400,000 recently for saying she was, you know, like a crack whore. I mean, she said yeah, something bad about somebody else and that other person got some money, took her to court and won. This is why I don't say bad things about you anymore on Twitter. Well, <laughs> I wish you would because I could use the money. <laughs> I'm not made of money. <laughs> I don't have any more. Yeah, you know, they'd be interested. I don't, I don't know if Bill Spooner's going to get his money, but I mean, this is, it's, it's proven that these sorts of things, you can be awarded damages if you make a big enough stink about it over Twitter. So maybe we should all think about what we're tweeting Yes, think in, the heat, about, in the heat of the NBA moment. Think about what you're treating. On to the calendar. All right. Samsung is launching the 3D VOD service in Korea and has told the U.S. and Europe to get ready. Uh, presumably because we'll get it also. But just hope not that's right what they now. Mean. Yeah. <laughs> just get ready. Get ready. Jerome. Um, also, some Samsung news. The Samsung Series 9 laptop uh, is going to hit tomorrow for $1,650 or so. I think that's the 13-inch version. An 11-inch version is coming in April as well. So uh, if that's the kind of series that you're into, get ready. Uh, <laughs> Verizon offers the unlimited LTE data plan for the HTC Thunderbolt at launch, which is tomorrow. That's Thursday. Uh, the Thunderbolt pre-sales brief, uh, or, or I'm sorry, have broken Wirefly online order records. So a lot of people are wanting that. Mozilla will ship Firefox 4 on March 22nd, which is next week. Uh, well, I might have to switch back to Firefox. I'm mm-hmm. very excited about Firefox 4. Release I, candidate came out yesterday, by the way. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'm exci- pretty stable. I'm excited to try it. I mean, I was such a Firefox diehard for so many years, and it felt really weird to switch over to Chrome. And I've since kind of forgotten about Firefox. But I will gladly switch back. Best browser wins. Uh, Motorola is making the Wi-Fi only Zoom officially Five ninety nine uh, f- uh, for release on March twenty seventh. You gonna buy one, Scott? No, I'm not. But it's uh, that is a way better price than I thought it was gonna be. I thought I saw something in the seven hundred range, six ninety nine or so. Yeah, so. I said the same thing earlier. I mean, it, it that makes more sense. You know, on a side note, I played a little bit with the playbook at the gadget party. Mm-hmm, at, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I liked it. That's good. I'm yeah, telling you, I yeah. did. Well, they were also doing the show offy thing where it's like uh, during multitasking. You could be, you know, running a, you know, HD, uh, have the camera on the HD video, and at the same time you're playing a racing game, mm-hmm. and it was, I and mean, it, it was, it was handling yeah. the graphics really well. Like I was really computer. impressed by that. Yeah, like a computer. It was you, like do a you computer. think that? Do you think they held off on that new price point until they, you know, saw the iPad two out with its Wi-Fi model and kind of said, well, you know, we don't want to necessarily compete right at four ninety nine or or whatever, but we kind of want to be in a better ballpark here and we need to wait and see what Apple does, even though we kind of knew the price anyway. 
I mean, why do you, why do you suppose they win? No, I, I think I, I, I think they just took a while to get the Wi-Fi out because they wanted the carriers to get as much money as possible. Mm-hmm. The Samsung Galaxy Player 4 and 5 will arrive this spring, at least in the U.S. And finally, the Daily, that app that I forgot about, but a lot of people read, buried daily, um, <laughs> is set for a year of availability sometime in the summer. On the every, t- every time I say anything bad about the Daily, I get a bunch of emails being like, I love the Daily. From Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> and, his, and his many employees from two, uh, on to the voicemail 260 TNT show is our phone number and uh, we have a lovely email about the uh, JavaScript story we mentioned in the news fuse about things running slower if you launched a bookmark from the home screen this guy's from Scotland so listen close hey Tom and friends this is D from Glasgow Scotland just a wee note about the uh the iPhone JavaScript bits and bobs. Uh, it's like Apple including a new library in the phone. Sure, they're not going to see which, which library every app sees, otherwise it might break random other apps. They don't want to do that on a minor OS upgrade. So, the other thing is app icons and web homepages that you save on on, the, on your launcher and you launch into the web browser. They do go into your web proper Safari and they will be using the new Nitro engine, so they will be faster. It's just apps that use JavaScript inside the app itself, like... Uh, Mob Wars and other ones like that. Okay, good luck and have a great show. Love it lots. Bye. First of all, love that you called it a wee note. Uh, I don't know if you were just playing up the Scottish thing about that, but it sounded pretty per- pretty natural to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, yeah, no, that's a really good point that, uh, you know, they, the Nitro engine, uh, were, you know, and the libraries and the, and the operating system are different. Uh, so it might be more of a, it might be a, a bigger revo- rev- revision to add those to the operating system. Uh, well said, well, well spoken. Uh, Although what you said about apps having to use Safari if they're just bookmarks is not always true. In fact, Open App Market uh, is specializes in actually delivering apps that are self-contained links that you put on the home screen, and they launch as full-screen apps, but they don't launch Safari. Uh, there's a lot of great apps in there. There's like little Pac-Man games. There's a, a music app that lets you link to any piece of music anywhere on the web. And these are all apps that don't need approval from Apple. Uh, so if you're interested in that, check out Open App Market. And the way they work is they just save as bookmarks on the home screen. And those are the ones most affected uh, by this situation, whether it's uh, intentional or not. On to the emails. This one's from Suzanne who says, I love my Zune. If the Windows 7 phones were just like the Zune, I'd have one. It's beautiful. It's simple. I can listen to you, TNT, while sending you an email without turning on my desktop or paying for a data plan. Granted, I'm a freak. I don't have a data plan for my Android. $10 a month on Virgin and Wi-Fi is usually enough for me. I just wish more people could build Zune apps. They all work well, but there aren't enough of them. Suzanne, you should change your name to Suzune. That would be a little bit more freakish. I I love her enthusiasm for the Zoom. That's pretty awesome. You don't get that every day. Yeah. No, it's sadly rare. I'm glad that she is able to explain exactly why she loves it. Yeah, exactly. N- new a- new apps will be sadly rare as well, by the way. Mm, Zoom back in true. much, I'm afraid so. Yeah. All right, on to Al, the Iraqi doctor in Damascus, who says, regarding the discussion about piracy in countries like Russia and Mexico, I'd like to say that the situation is the same in the Middle East. I've been living in Syria for a few years now, and the primary means for piracy here are physical discs. You can get any movie on DVD for as low as 25 cents. Video games are between one and three U.S. dollars. That's right, single digits. So considering the average income of a high school or college kid being between 100 and 200 U.S. dollars, is it really a choice? 
You can see that reflected in the sales of things like the PS3, where it skyrocketed after a jailbreak was available. He says, P.S. Tom, after your constant encouragement, I finally started watching The Wire, and I'm glad I did, <laughs> uh, and wishes a speedy recovery to Sarah uh, from from your, your ear infection. Thanks, Thanks for a great Al. Uh, I'm, I'm doing my best. And he's you a could doctor. send me some ears. I would really appreciate that. Yeah, that would because be these ones suck. I don't want them anymore. Uh, moving on to an email we got from Chris in Portland, Oregon. Uh, Chris says, geez, it's already been 100 episodes since I wrote in last. That's right. It's our 200th episode. Happy yeah. 200th episode, everybody. Deja vu. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> been here before, haven't you, Jason? <laughs> I've been here a bunch. Uh, where has the time yeah. flown, says? He says, I was listening to TNP 199 and HP's decision to do its own app store. Previously, I scoffed at app stores since I didn't really see the point of them. That was, of course, until I discovered the Google Web Store. It has uh, seduced me and chased me away from all my skepticism over app stores. The highlight for me is once I purchase an app, I can use it on any computer running Chrome, no matter where in the world I am. So call me a convert because when I hear HP is, is creating an app store, I think of how this could benefit HP users. Congrats on episode 200. Looking forward to the next 200. Although I will write again before that, I am sure. Best of luck. Thanks, Chris. It's a good point he makes about that app store. And I'm telling you, if you have a bunch of followers, if you're H- you love HP stuff, then why the heck would you not be interested in getting you know easy access to apps and so on? Mac users are having that kind of thing now. The Google App Store is that way. The App Store before it is like that. I mean, why not? Let's say more the merrier. Yeah, I you know I'm, I guess it just depends on if there's enough of a community of people who want to build these apps that are cool yeah. in order yes. to put them in the store. So it's not just these you know ten different app stores with like fifteen cool apps each, and you know it all just seems fragmented. I want to see somebody come up with an open source app store where it's just it it has all the benefits that he's talking about, mm-hmm. but I don't have to like shell over money uh, for stuff that should be free. Or, or I can donate if I want to, uh, and 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 then I am able to take advantage of all this great open source software that's meant to be free. It's not because I don't want to pay for software; it's that there's really good stuff that's free, and then it doesn't go into app stores because there's all of these GPL violations a lot of times in app, app stores. So, right. and, and also, I want somebody to create a platform. That. It'd be great if you you're a Linux user. I want to go to that same resource and get my stuff. I, I have a Mac. I want to go there to get my stuff. Basically, what you're talking about is the internet, but Somebody to put it in a an app store app store kind of construct so that we you know get the benefits of that. I think that's a great idea. Tom should make it. All right, yeah, in my spare time. <laughs> All right, thanks, Scott Johnson, for being on the show. Uh, let folks know. I mean, you mentioned the morning stream earlier. That's going well, right? It's going really well. We got mentioned in USA Today, which was awesome. I was really thrilled about that. Uh, it's a morning show Monday through Thursday, every morning seven a.m. Pacific. They can learn more at frogpants.com slash TMS. And real quick, just to let people know who may not heard already, chances are already have if you're coming, but Nerdtacular 2011, the annual Frog Pants event I throw here in Salt Lake City, uh, is happening in, on June 17th, and tickets went up for sale yesterday. And they can learn oh, more crap. at nerdtacular.com. Oh, I got you one. Don't you worry. You're so VIP. You're, you're covered. <laughs> you're totally VIP. Oh, I got to start <laughs> making uh, demands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do like plus 10 bottle mm-hmm. service. I yeah. want every other green M M&M and M taken out of my M and M's. He always demands this mini bar. It gets real bad. With I want my own venue separate from I the Great Unwashed. Diet Stewart's root beer. Diet. <laughs> what is this crap? Anyway, yeah, I'll be going. It, it's fun. June seventeenth, Nerdtacular, Salt Lake City. Looking forward to it, yeah. Scott.
It's going to be a blast. Thank you for having me on, guys. It's always a blast. You can find us on the web at twit.tv slash TNT. You can call and leave us a message, 260-TNT-SHOW, or if you have some ears that you've printed out for Sarah, uh, you can let us know uh, how we can get them by emailing us, TNT at twit.tv. We'll see you tomorrow.